1: Lots of news today and lots of great guests. Today we'll visit with Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the president and founder of Less Government. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. We went to the uh, national conference for uh, Hillsdale College last night. It was absolutely terrific. We saw... uh, Governor DeSantis speak, he was fantastic. It was Hillsdale College, of course, great institution and a real interest of mine because uh, they also create the uh, Barney curriculum for uh, charter schools, and that's, uh, I'm on the board of the Optima Foundation that creates charter schools throughout uh, Florida and perhaps will begin also in Louisiana. So uh, anyhow, very grateful for what they do. And of course, they don't take a penny of federal money, one of the college's and I think maybe the only college in the United States that doesn't. So uh, not at all beholden to uh, federal policy and uh, what's going on. The true, true bastion of education, Hillsdale College. It is February the 24th, and on this day in 1803, the Supreme Court, led by Chief Justice John Marshall, decided the landmark case of William Marbury versus James Madison, Secretary of State of the United States, and confirmed the legal principle of judicial review, the ability of the Supreme Court to limit congressional power by declaring legislation unconstitutional in the new nation. The court ruled that the new president, Thomas Jefferson, via Secretary of State James Madison, was wrong to prevent William Marbury from taking his office as Justice of the Peace for Washington County in the District of Columbia. However, it also ruled that the county and the court had no jurisdiction of the case that could not force Jefferson and Madison to seat Marbury. The Judiciary Act of 1789 gave the Supreme Court jurisdiction, but the Marshall Court ruled the Act of 1789 to be unconstitutional an extension of judiciary power in the realm of the executive. In writing the decision, John Marshall argued that the acts of Congress in conflict with the Constitution are not law and therefore are not binding to the courts, and that the judiciary first responsibility is always to uphold the Constitution. Hmm, big decision, very important. Landmark decision for the Constitution. If two laws conflict, Marshall wrote, the court court bears responsibility for deciding which law applies in any given case. Thus, Marbury never received his job. Jefferson and Madison objected to Marbury's appointment, and uh, those of the so-called midnight judges appointed by the previous president, John Adams, after Jefferson was elected were but mere hours before he took office. You can see this stuff goes all the way back to the founding fathers. To further aggravate the new uh, Democrat-Republican administration, many of these federal judges, though Marbury was not one of them, were taking the bench in new courts formed by the Judiciary Act, which the lame-duck Federalist Congress passed on February 13, 1801, less than a month before Jefferson's inauguration on March the 4th. As part of the Revolution of 1800, President Jefferson and uh, Democrat-Republican followers Launched a series of attacks against the Federalist-controlled courts, the new Democrat-Republican-controlled Congress easily eliminated most of the midnight judges by repealing the Judiciary Act of 1802. They impeached Supreme Court Justice Samuel Chase but acquitted him amidst inter-party squabbles. The Chase acquittal, coupled with Marshall's impeccably argued decision, put an end to Jefferson's uh, attack. Interesting stuff. And judicial review, therefore, just a very important part of the uh, balance of power in the United States government. Well, I'm sure you've heard this, but uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin declared war on the Ukraine in a surprise television announcement at roughly 6 a.m. Moscow time. The Russian dictator described the Unprovoked Act as a special military operation for the demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine. I've made the decision to conduct a special military operation, he said. Our analysis has concluded that our confrontation with these forces in Ukraine was inevitable. This is the red line that I've spoken of many times. They've crossed it, he said, accusing the Ukrainians of genocide for attacking the two new independent republics he unilaterally conjured into existence on Monday. Russia cannot feel safe, develop, and exist with a constant threat emanating from the territory of modern Ukraine, he said. Putin bizarrely claimed that Russia's plans do not include occupation of Ukrainian territory and we are not going to impose anything on anyone by force, even as Russia launched missile attacks at targets across Ukraine, including in the capital city of Kiev. A couple of words for those who are tempted to intervene. Russia will respond immediately and you will have consequences that you've never had before in your history, Putin warned. As for the military sphere... Modern Russia, even after the collapse of the USSR and the uh, loss of significant part of its nuclear potential, is today one of the most powerful nuclear powers, and moreover, it has certain advantages in a number of latest types of weapons. In that regard, no one should have any doubt that a direct attack on Russia will lead to a defeat and dire consequences for a potential aggressor, he said, making it clear that he was threatening nuclear retaliation against the U.S. and NATO if they interfere with the attack on Ukraine. All responsibility for bloodshed will be on the conscience and the ruling regime in Ukraine, Putin insisted, calling on Ukrainian forces to surrender. I urge you to immediately lay down your weapons and go home. All servicemen of the Ukrainian army will fulfill this demand. will be freely to, uh, free to leave the combat zone and return to their families, he said. Leaders of the United States and NATO quickly condemned Russia's attack. Putin was uh, chosen a premeditated war that will bring a catastrophic loss of life and human suffering, at, according to Joe Biden. Biden promised united and decisive responses by the United States and its allies. The world will hold Russia accountable, he said. Maybe they'll send Kamala Harris back to there. <laughs> What a great job she did, huh? <clears throat> NATO Secretary General uh, Stoltenberg called any Russian attack a violation of international law and a threat to the security of Europe and its partners. Despite our repeated warnings and tireless efforts to engage in diplomacy, Russia has chosen the path of aggression against a sovereign and independent country, the NATO leader said. So uh, the Ukraine leader made a plea for peace. He's speaking in Russian. uh, Zelensky gave an emotional address early Thursday before Putin's announced the start of the offensive. The people of Ukraine and the government of Ukraine want peace, he said. But if we come under attack, if we face uh, an attempt to take away our country, our freedom, our lives, and lives of our children, we will defend ourselves. When you attack us, you will see our faces and not our backs, said Zelensky. He also said he's called for Putin's late-night Wednesday, but the Kremlin didn't respond. Earlier Wednesday, Ukraine imposed a nationwide state of emergency, which allows authorities to impose restrictions on movement, Block rallies and ban political parties and organizations. So, at an emergency meeting of the UN Security Council called by Ukraine uh, because of the Im- imminent threat of a Russian invasion, members still unaware of Putin's announcement of a military operation appealed to him to stop an attack. Uh, that's probably going to be uh, not going to fall on uh, receptive ears. Uh, Guterres uh, later pleaded with Putin it's in the name of humanity. Bring your troops back to Russia. Well, Ukraine's forces are no match for Moscow's military might, apparently. Although we've sent billions of dollars of equipment and defensive uh, artillery to uh, Ukraine, so Kiev is counting on other countries to hit Russia hard with sanctions. Ukrainian uh, Foreign Minister Kubela, Kuleba, I should say, uh, said on Twitter that the West should target Putin where it hurts, without delay. Hit his economy and his cronies, hit more, hit hard, hit now, he said. Biden on Wednesday allowed sanctions to move forward against the uh, company that built the Russia to, to Germany Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline and against the company's CEO. Biden waived sanctions last year when the project was almost completed in return for an agreement from Germany to take action against Russia if, in fact, uh, it used gas as a weapon or attacked Ukraine. Germany said Tuesday it would indefinitely suspending the pipeline. Ukraine's Western supporters said that he'd already sent out a strong message with a first batch of sanctions on Tuesday. They said Russian troops moving beyond the separatist-held regions would produce more painful sanctions and possibly the biggest war in a generation on Europe's mainland. This is the toughest sanctions regime we've ever put in place against Russia. This, according to Secretary, uh, Foreign Secretary Liz Truss, uh, she's from Britain. Britain, She said the measures that target uh, key banks that fund the Russian military and oligarchs, but it will go further if we see a full-scale invasion of Ukraine, she said. The European uh, Union finalized a similar package in the lower uh, house of Russia's parliament and made it tougher for Moscow to get on EU and financial capital markets. The United States announced Tuesday to target high-ranking Russian officials and two Russian banks uh, with uh, $80 billion in assets. So Ukraine, of course, is not Russia, where the economy is eroding and uh, fast under the threat of war. One by one, embassies and international offices of KDF have closed. Flight after flight was canceled. Insurance companies balking at covering planes uh, leaving and coming to Ukraine. Hundreds of millions of dollars in investments dried up in weeks. The squeezing Ukraine's, uh Ukraine's economy is key to stabilizing tactic which the government describes as hybrid war- warfare, intended to eat away at the country from within. So the economy is not doing well, and uh, things are not going well in Ukraine right now. It's, it's uh, really a shame Uh <clears throat> In additional uh, news, Zelensky briefly addressed his nation about 90 minutes after the Russian attack began on Thursday morning. He declared martial law and vowed to resist the Russian invasion while urging his citizens to remain calm. Difficult under the circumstances, of course. Now, needless to say here, uh, the stock market got creamed yesterday. It was down and currently now it is in correction territory. The Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 464 points. And futures right now, as I look at them, they're down about uh, 850. So it's going to get creamed again today as uh, the markets are reacting to the fear uh, and uh, the fear of war. Uh, They fell for the fifth straight session, by the way, yesterday. And uh, the Dow Jones and Nasdaq closed below their January 4th intraday lows on Wednesday. And the S&P slipped to its late January low before closing marginally above it. Wednesday's decline pushed the Nasdaq closer to bear market territory as it sits at more than 18% below its November closing record. Unbelievable. Well, it is believable, but it's true. A little more than one-third of Americans approve of the way Biden has handled Russia as another crisis unfolds on his watch barely more than a year into the time in his office. Uh, This according to Gallup. What the latest survey numbers from Gallup show is that President Biden's handling of specific issues such as the economy, pandemic, and escalating tensions in Europe are only continuing to drive his overall job approval lower, with no issues currently offering a life preserver for his underwater ratings. With slightly more than eight months before the midterm elections, the continuing decline of Biden's approval overall among Democrats and especially among independents is more bad writing on the wall for Democrats who have a bare majority in the Senate and a razor-thin advantage in the House right now. Finally in this segment, the uh, Florida State Senate gave approval of Dr. Joseph Lepado as the state's sixth Surgeon General. Uh, a vocal and uh, controversial cheerleader for the pandemic policies of the governor. Congratulations to Dr. Lapato. He certainly deserved approval, and he's a a great uh, Surgeon General. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting
1: Network. I'm Bob Hardin, the host of The Bob Hardin Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rocking good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff staff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new uh, social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon from the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw, co founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance.
2: Well, we're a, a grassroots coalition of uh, well over 100 groups, um, 110,000 plus people, and we focus on K-12 through 12 education. Uh, we're huge champions and advocates for uh, parental school choice in education, uh, and of course we're trying to stop the indoctrination on multiple fronts that's taking place in our schools.
1: Well, uh, last night I had an opportunity to go to the Hillsdale College National Conference and, uh, of course, the Barney School, Charter School Initiative was is, uh, is formed there. Big champions of school choice. And uh, it was just really inspiring to hear the other side of the story, which is quite frankly uh, rare, but uh, very, very welcome. So uh, give us an update. What's going on? Well,
2: we're coming up on the end of uh, legislative session. Um, the end of the session is march 11th so uh, they're in the middle of week seven um, and there's uh my sources are telling me that this has been one of the most contentious sessions uh, in recent history um, the republicans in both chambers are fighting the governor hmm. on his uh, district map um, the maps that the legislature came up with are weak uh, in my view in mm-hmm. my opinion uh, they actually give two additional houses, uh, uh, congressional houses to the Democrats mm-hmm. and a couple of uh, seats to uh, sta- state Democrat in the legislature. The governor's come up with his own map, and uh, they're refusing to uh, accept that. So they're kind of in a dogfight over that. Hmm. Uh, I understand that uh, President uh, Wilton Simpson is also not allowing the uh, education union bill which would really be a major uh, impact on, uh, on schools, you know, the unions, education unions, and he's not even allowing that to be heard. So there's a couple of those kinds of contentions. Uh, some good news, uh, the um, 1557 uh, House bill, which is uh, the parental rights and education is passed through the House, uh, headed over to the Senate, uh, the hope there is it doesn't get watered down. Mm-hmm. Um, the leadership in the Senate was making some noise about taking out uh, some of the enforcement or teeth out of that bill. So um, that's going to be worth watching. Uh, House bill seven, which is uh, the, the individual freedom uh, act um, has been on the floor. It's kind of troubling. I spent a half hour this morning trying to make sure I understood where it was. It's uh it's been engrossed, which means it's ready to be passed on the floor, but it has they have actually taken the vote. So, uh, uh, you know, that may be caught up in some of the infighting that's going on mm. uh, you know, at this stage of the process. There's always a. Uh, the give and take, uh, and I'll give it this if you want. If you give me that kind of stuff, so we'll see where all that goes.
1: Absolutely. Hey, just uh, back pedaling a little bit here. Tell us about this union bill that apparently is not going to error, Isn't being considered on the floor right now. What, tell us about the importance of that.
2: Well, what it does is it um, really puts some enforcement teeth uh, on the unions in terms of the certification process uh, that they would have to go through. Um, it was. It was actually made it all the way through both chambers last year until it got to the final rules committee. And uh, then it got killed at the very last minute we thought it was gonna go last year. Uh, this year, it's it's basically the same bill. Senator Baxley put the bill up, uh, but uh, Burgess, who's the first committee, is not, not even letting it be heard. Uh, I'm sure uh, that Burgess is being told by the leadership uh who squashed it last year to to hold that so i don't know if it's caught up in the horse trading that's taking place right now but it's uh it would be a a major blow to the unions which um you know, I think is well warranted, but
1: absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's it, it, that also indicates to me there's money behind it somehow, some way. <laughs> so oh,
2: al- always, always. Yeah.
1: So, well, good, Keith. Hey, uh, listen, before I let you go, perhaps you, you could give us an update on what's happening on March the ninth. Big event.
2: Now, a huge uh, event with uh, Ch- Ch- Charlie Kirk, Dennis Prager. Now, uh, General <laughs> Flynn is going to be participating. Um, we're going to be at the. Uh, the, the Tiburon Ritz Carlton, uh, the golf resort. Uh, we have about 460 people wow. that have uh, that are coming. I, I think it's actually a little higher than that. So we're pretty close to being uh, uh, maxed out. Um, but it's going to be a really um, amazing event. Uh, that, uh, that there still are some tickets available. Um, so I encourage uh, you know any of your listeners that it's in that. that Come out, support us, and, and enjoy a, a great evening.
1: Uh, absolutely. Again, you can go to GoFLCA.com. That's the website of the Florida Citizens Alliance. You can get tickets. Uh, you can also find out a lot of great information about education in Florida because the Florida Citizens Alliance, I think, is a terrific organization, really supporting public education, the improvement of public education and, and school choice. GoFLCA.com. Get tickets to the gala coming up on March 9th. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure, Bob. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. Obviously, Keith's in the airport, off to someplace. uh, But I really appreciate the work that he's doing. You know, it's on his own nickel. He doesn't take a dime from the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance. He and uh, Pastor Rick, the co-founders. And uh, therefore, the money goes that uh, we contribute to a good cause, and uh, they do great work, have major influence on what's happening in Florida education. And by the way, Florida education has gotten much better. Uh, I think we're ranked number three in the nation right now in terms of the quality of education across the country. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: The Bob Harton Show, here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
1: Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Building a 44,000-square-foot uh, performing arts center in downtown Naples can be absolutely beautiful. Also, putting on some terrific performances, professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Michael Cannon. Michael is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Great to be here, Bob.
1: Michael, tell us about the Cato Institute.
3: So the Cato Institute is a think tank in Washington, D.C. We are a libertarian think tank, which means we are neither Republican nor conservative, Neither of the right or of the left. What we want is we want to uh, expand individual liberty in all areas of human endeavor. That means we want uh, limited government, free markets, and peace. And um, we've been doing that since 1977. And uh, we are sort of, uh, <laughs> we are really strangers in Washington, D.C., where everybody at sort of no matter what party you're from, wants to uh, control and run other people's
1: lives. That's absolutely true. So let's, uh, speaking of controlling people's lives, the emergency order in Canada, of course, and we've got now the uh, Truckers Freedom Convoy on its way to Washington, D.C. You know, this is all about saying, give us our freedoms back. Let's uh, follow the Constitution and what it provides in terms of our personal freedoms. Uh, All of this kind of driven by the whole uh, notion of the virus, Any update? Can you tell tell us where we stand right now with regard to public policy?
3: Uh, With regard to public policy, we're seeing some uh, welcome developments, like uh, uh, some jurisdictions are eliminating their mask mandates. Uh, Los Angeles County, I think, is the latest big one to do that. You hear uh, governors like uh, uh, Jared Polis of Colorado, uh, Democratic governor uh, saying he's not going to be wearing a mask any longer. We're starting to see a little bit of glass mouth in, uh, in, in that area because the number of uh, cases has been falling. It is now below not just its peak from the Omicron uh, variant, but it's uh, pre-Omicron uh, peaks so that uh, more more people are becoming comfortable with uh, with lifting those uh, those mandates, and as we discussed last week, this is important because if you want people to keep listening to the public health advice that you're that you're dispensing, you need to give them a break whenever you can, yep. so that they don't suffer from uh, pandemic or public health fatigue. And so these are welcome developments. Uh, the United States is looking good, uh, relatively good. Uh, from an international perspective our case uh, rate per million people is well below that of Germany France United Kingdom and hopefully that trend that downward trend continues
1: and i'll just add of course here in Florida we've uh we're against the tide in terms of uh many of the states and their policies and uh, we're looking really good in terms of infections uh, what about? Have you heard about the news about the CDC withholding information because they didn't want they didn't think the American people could handle it?
3: So that's um, speaking of uh, uh, people having uh, public health fatigue and uh, losing trust in public health authorities. That that sort of development is very troubling. Anytime kind the of government has data that it's not releasing, at the same time it's telling making recommendations based on those data is very troubling, especially when the CDC is trying to do things like um, uh, a moratorium on addictions or uh, other things that really do take away people's economic and other freedoms. So um, we have seen a backlash against uh, state level public health authorities where states are trying to curtail their public health agencies powers uh that is understandable. It's a little um it's a little off target because state public health agencies have been relatively and uh, I mean relatively uh responsible in this pandemic who's really been irresponsible are the federal health and public health authorities right. uh, such as the C D C. So uh we're gonna have to wait for more information, including those data to come out so that we can uh, properly assess just how much of a problem the FDA withholding these data uh, is. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully the initial reports are overblown, but uh, the CDC has not been evading itself in glory.
1: Yeah, some some of the information that's been withheld has to do with the efficacy of the vaccines themselves and some of the problems that the vaccines are causing themselves. And, of course, that information has been subdued or uh, suppressed, I think, which is just very unfortunate because people have a right to know. You know, there's risk in everything that you do. Taking the vaccine is a risk. Not taking the vaccine is a risk. You need to understand those risks, and the CDC is supposed to be responsible in helping us understand those facts.
3: And I have to think that if the... Uh, if the CDC had been more uh, forthcoming in the past, if it had taken a policy of just providing information and letting people make their own decisions, uh, then we would not be seeing the backlash against the public health measures that we're seeing in uh, in that in that uh, trucker's convoy and in, uh, in in other pockets of the United States, and I think in Canada. Uh, the, the truckers' protest was is, is in response to the same sort of thing by their government officials.
1: Yeah, unbelievable. Michael Cannon, again, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit the website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. So interesting. And, of course, uh, you mentioned the uh, Canadian truckers. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, as a matter of fact, announced Wednesday he's removing the emergency powers. All of a sudden, uh, the police used uh, after authorities ended the border blockades by those opposed to the COVID-19 restrictions, as well as the occupation of downtown Ottawa. He invoked the powers last week, and lawmakers affirmed the powers on Monday. He said the powers were still needed, but noted they would uh, not stay in place a, a a day longer than necessary. He says, the quote, the situation is no longer an emergency. Therefore, the federal government will be ending the use of Emergency Act. Trudeau said, we are confident the existing laws and bylaws are sufficient to keep people safe. Of course, he didn't have enough support to uphold his use of the Emergencies Act in the Senate. That went to vote on Tuesday, which was set to vote on the matter. So apparently, in order to save himself the embarrassment, Trudeau caved in and announced he was revoking the act. Even one of Trudeau's handpicked senators, Pierre Defond, uh, turned on him earlier today, saying uh, he would not vote for the act over concerns about how Trudeau was abusing his near-limitless powers to violate citizens' charter rights. So we have our own truckers now on the way to Washington, D.C., of real concern because uh, now Biden's already called out the National Guard, apparently providing 700 different additional troops, Uh, For uh, when the truckers arrive, the truckers have said they're not going to create any kind of uh, disturbance at all to what's going on in Washington, D.C., but nevertheless, I'm concerned that uh, Biden is going to try and turn this into a political event uh, to call these people extremists, which would be so sad and so unfortunate. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergartens through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich
0: And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Come on. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Right now we have with us Seat Motley. Seaton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seaton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Tell us about the pipe dream of less government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: Uh, when we've reached the point where we can fool at least half the nation into thinking Ukraine, Russia is important, as a guise to grow government, we're in big
1: trouble. Yeah. My goodness, the markets are just absolutely getting creamed right now. The financial markets down yesterday, getting us into correction territory. NASDAQ. Well,
4: again, I'd like to point out, just as I did the the COVID virus did not kill the economy. The government, in the name of the coronavirus, did.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
4: The Russian invasion of Ukraine is not killing the markets. Our sanctioned responses to the invasion are what uh, are hurting the market. Yeah. Well, you if, know what? If Russia invaded Ukraine, and we didn't have cable television. It wouldn't it wouldn't affect the world at all.
1: Yeah. Well, it's un- just unbelievable. Of course, the Biden, I'm sure, was thinking this would be a good head fake to make the American people stop thinking about problems at home. But unfortunately, the reaction from the American people to how he's handling the Ukraine, they don't like that either.
4: Well, yeah, but again, half of them do. <laughs>
1: yeah, not not even half. Twenty-seven percent, I think, approve of his handling of that situation, according to.
0: Well, remember, all they're, they're, they're,
4: that's just a that's just a over 10,000 foot view. Yeah. They, they There are a bunch of people in there who want them to send troops.
1: Yeah, I know.
4: I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's, there's all kinds of disapproval within that disapproval.
1: Yeah. So, see, you wrote a column, which is so fascinating, Lockdowns, Big Banks, Further Market consol- Consolidation, Further Aided by Big Government, and again, we have more cronyism going on. Maybe you can tell us about it.
4: Yeah, you know, we, we, we talked about how big tech and big pharma... Grown exponentially during the pandemic. Big Pharma, obviously, because they're getting tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars from government yeah. to develop vaccines that don't work, can't, they can't get sued for, and the government's mandating everyone take. Uh, that's a pretty good business model. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, unfortunately,
4: the insurance companies fell for it with Obamacare. Yeah. Oh, look, they're going to mandate they buy our product. That's great. Oops. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, big tech uh, was an obvious beneficiary, because if they're going to lock us in our houses, all we can do is waste away online. Right. And that's spent a lot more time on Facebook and Twitter and all these stupid websites. And as you know, certainly Congress knew about it, because I keep I keep going back to this article from the end of April 2020. Congress buys lots of big tech and big pharma stock. Yeah. So they were cashing in on it as well. They knew what was coming, right? And they were cashing in on it as well. So another, everybody that was big before the pandemic got bigger at the expense of thousands of smaller competitors. Right. Um, The big banks have been benefiting from big government for since Dodd Frank, since the 2008 housing crisis, which they precipitated. Along with big government, don 't get me wrong yeah um, it was a big government big bank cabal that led to the 2008 housing crisis and then they passed a law dodd frank which killed thousands of small banks, thereby consolidating the market for the big banks now, of course, during the pandemic, the banks have been the banking mar- industry banking market has been consolidating further and during the evolution, you know, the, the the market abhors a vacuum. Nature abhors a vacuum. Right. And as they killed, small, you know, big banks are not going to lend money to a poor person with bad credit. They're right. just not. Right. They're not going to do it. The small banks did. The community banks did. That's who filled that gap. And when they killed... The, the, the large swaths of the community bank, the small bank uh, industry, these poor people, these people with bad credit had nowhere to go. Yeah. Well, then the payday lenders came up mm-hmm. to fill the void. And w- they're exactly what the name implies. You get a loan on Tuesday. It's high interest, but it's short term. You, if, if your transmission goes out on your car and you're not getting on a Tuesday and you're not getting paid till Friday... You borrow the money for three days. All right. Uh, that's the whole point of this. And again, these people wouldn't exist in any number if you hadn't already had the government kill your small bank competitors for you. So now you've got th- these, these payday lenders, and they're under the sights of big, uh, big tech uh, big banks. And they're trying to get big government to help. And there's even a Republican helping with this. It's absurd. Yeah, One Republican and a bunch of Democrats. And there's a bill to price cap payday lenders. Well, Uh we know what happens when you price cap something. Yeah,
1: it drives them out of business.
4: It goes away. You run out of it. There's none of it. Um, And there's example after example, example. For the older among us, uh, the great visual example was the 1970s price caps on gasoline. Yeah. And you'd have to wait all day in line, and then when you finally got to the pump, you were only allowed like three gallons or five gallons or something. right? Because we were that short of, of petroleum. Uh, price caps kill. The prices are a reflection of the market. The price, If you make something more attractive to, A, investment and that you'll make it attractive to be purchase yeah because if you price cap it that means that the the people who dig it up and make it available to market aren't going to do it because it's not an it's not a wise investment you can put your money elsewhere and get better investment a better return on your investment so if they stop investing in the production of gasoline we drive up to the pump and realize there isn't any gasoline
1: right you know, see, I think and, it's a, it's a, the,
4: and that ha, that applies. It's 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 basic market economics. That's right. Uh, it applies to whatever commodity you want to put a cap on.
1: Now, let me let me uh, just. If they uh, want to
4: put a cap on 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 these short term loans to people where they're the only people lending to these people, poor yeah. people, ba- people with bad credit. Um, they're going to drive them out of business too. And again, government will pass a law in the name of helping people.
1: And and hurt them.
4: They will hurt the people that they're claiming they want to help.
1: That's right. I mean, when Dodd Frank passed, it was a tremendous burden to business. Obviously, the accounting and the the paperwork involved for the government was, it was just massive. However, big banks licked their chops because they had yep. they had the legal and the and the staff in order to take care of it, and they knew it would drive their smaller competitors out of business. That's they right. couldn't they yeah, couldn't I, handle. I it. Always,
4: metaphorically refer to it as the compliance department
1: yeah <laughs>
4: big banks can afford to have a compliance department right a government compliance department small banks cannot yeah they're working on much smaller margins uh, with much less capital and they're the ones that go you know the whole of course the hilarity of of dodd frank was it was supposed to solve too big to fail right right and that's the only banks we're left with are <laughs> banks that are too big to fail, because government won't let them fail All right. so so and again, here we are again that you know, a a shoot of life has grown through the rocky ground of of government banking uh these payday lenders, and here comes big government to mm. squash it before it gets it takes
1: firmer route now, you are so right about that seat i hope our listeners will go to your website check out uh, the column on uh, big banks and uh, consolidation further aiding big government uh, again lessgovernment.org is the website lessgovernment.org you can also visit lessgovernment on facebook Seton always appreciate your commentary here in the show thank you so much for joining us
4: appreciate it bob thank you
1: my pleasure indeed Coming, we going to visit with Bill Barr. Now, I do want to mention that uh, this is kind of interesting. The top prosecutors in charge of the Manhattan District Attorney's investigation into former President Trump and his business dealings resigned Wednesday, bringing into question the future of the probe. Now, these two guys uh, finally submitted their resignations Wednesday. Uh, both Pomerantz and Dunn, that were their, their names, agreed to stay on in the district office after Vance's term expired in order to continue to prosecute uh, Trump. But now they've resigned because they did the investigation into the assets of President Donald Trump, thinking they're going to find out that he overvalued the things that he owned. And guess what? His, his assets have been undervalued according to the accounting <laughs> that was provided to them. Now the current attorney general is saying, hey, you know what? We've got no case. Just unbelievable. What a waste. To Think of all the crime that's going on in New York City. Think how they could have redirected those resources in order to better make New York a better place to live. Nope, they didn't do that. The consequence? Waste. And, of course, finally, again, 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 Donald Trump exonerated. All right, coming up, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, that and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on The Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on The Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: You have questions about your retirement?
0: show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, providing policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and full disclosure, I serve on the board of this terrific organization. I hope you'll check out the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Bob, it's, it's my pleasure, as always, on a Thursday morning. It's, I, it's a gr- nice one
1: today, actually. It, it is a beautiful day. In fact, uh, yesterday, last uh, we went to the uh, annual meeting of Hillsdale College. It's being held at Naples Grand. And what a pleasure to hear uh, the president of the university speak, but also uh, find out more about their charter school program and the governor's uh Florida spoke to us. He was just fantastic. He was on wow. fire. yeah, we a very cool meeting.
5: That's awesome. that's awesome hey, you know i I didn't know whether you whether you' caught the news or not this morning or in the paper There, there's a senator um uh i, I think Senator Gruder up in Sarasota who has been uh you you know that for the last twenty years I've been fighting to get cigarettes off the beaches. Yeah, we've had conversation many times, even in our parks or whatever, and it's never gotten any headway. And there is the Senator Gruder, uh, who has been uh, been fighting the battle as well. And looks like he's made some progress. But interesting thing is in uh, um, looking at it today that they they uh, think that that you will be able to or the cities will be able to ban smoking on the beaches, which is a huge thing. However, what they didn't ban was cigars, uh, so because they said the cigar industry is so strong and they have so much power and whatever it is. So, you got any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I don't. I you know what? I don't uh, enjoy smoking cigars, but I enjoy being around them because I, I love the uh, I call it the the smell of a, a good cigar. Right. But uh, you know, it makes a mess on the beach, and I think that's probably a pretty good rule. But uh, I don't know. What I, what are your thoughts?
5: Well, my, my thoughts are, you know, it, it's better than it w- it will be better than it was. However, you know, um, it's one thing to have a cigarette butt on the beach, but <laughs> but cigar butts. Yeah, I mean, there aren't a lot of there. I, I I just don't think that there are a lot of cigar. I don't, you know, wouldn't see a lot of of uh, cigar smokers on the beach. Of course, I don't know, and I don't go to the beach very much anymore. But I think they would be more disgusting than uh, than cigarette
1: butts. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, I, to me, I just uh, I think the governor's doing such a good job right now. This pandemic has gone through. He's opened up the state. The economy's booming. We've seen record uh, tourism coming into Florida. More and more people want to move to Florida, and yeah. uh, I think he's just done a great job in spite of all the the fear and the pandemic of. Uh, Fear and hand wringing that's been going on. Uh, he's all stayed the course, kept the freedoms of uh, Floridians here uh, uh, in the front of everything that's going on, and uh, he's done a great job.
5: Yeah, on um, the, the, the headlines on the I, I'm one of the ones I have to admit it to you that I subscribe to the New York Post because um, you don't get anything out of the Naples Daily News, well, very little anyway. But uh, right. So the, the headline in the Post this morning was an analysis: Florida did better managing COVID. Than New York without mask mandates. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the headline. Yeah. Uh, so you, you're you're right. Our governor has done a tremendous job, and um, kudos to him.
1: Yeah, you know he, what though, Bill, I, I wouldn't apologize for reading the New York Post. I think that's a terrific publication. Certainly, a lot better than the New York Times.
5: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it, it is. And uh, you know they they're they're not Biden fans. I can tell you. I can tell you that.
1: Hey, well let's uh, but, let's take a springboard uh a step away from uh, local politics and what's going on here in naples and the paradise Coast. i'd love to get your reaction and thoughts to what's happening here globally especially uh, with what's going on in ukraine
5: well it's scary bob because we we don't know i don't you know i don't think we know a lot um and and um now everything is coming out now they are actually attacking uh russia is it is attacking the ukrainians now um uh, there's going to be more, you know, bloodshed and warfare and what have you. And yet you can't get an answer. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Putin is no bargain. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, uh, I don't think Biden is doing a hell of a lot better and he's supposed to be on the air today for a, uh, presidential speech. Um, we'll see what comes out of that, but I don't think, you know, we need to be too involved in that. I know the, the, the United Nations general counsel is, and, uh, you know, they're going to be condemned severely for whatever sanctions we can we can put on them and other countries can put on them. But I, I don't get his motive. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you?
1: And no, I don't get his motive either. I mean, how much land do you need, quite frankly? And uh, But, you know, apparently this uh, Ukrainian thing is important to him. And by the way, we're not protecting democracy. Uh, Ukraine is so corrupt. I mean, his opposition, political opposition, is in jail right now. <laughs> <laughs> right threw, yeah. threw him in jail yeah. and and of course uh, we know there's a lot of corruption going on in the ukraine so it's frankly in my view it's just none of our business and right. uh, unfortunately now we've seen the president uh, posture in a way that says it is important and the consequence he's gonna now uh, gonna have to deal with the you know the the fallout of this whole thing which is not going to be pretty i have a feeling it's just going to reduce his popularity even more here in the united states
5: yeah. Cause not respected. And, and, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's the key. Um, but, uh, I guess we'll, 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 are just going to have to ride it out for, for a couple of days and really see what, what goes on there. Um, and you're right. The, yeah, Ukraine has, uh, uh, there is a lot of corruption over there. So who knows what they're, what they're doing and why he wants that particular area so badly. Yeah.
1: Uh, Apparently, apparently, a lot of a, a lot of uh, corrupt government officials are wringing their hands right now because they're saying, "Oh my gosh, Ukraine's the place where you used to launder money. That can't go away. We need." <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah. So, so it 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 will be interesting. Hopefully, it doesn't affect us a uh, a uh, 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 big scale. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, it's, uh,
1: the markets are not very happy. The financial well, markets are getting creamed. Uh, but hopefully, it's a just a uh, hopefully when things recover, things will go back to normal. Because you know, f- quite frankly, the uh, financial institutions. I, I, I heard today that another company had record earnings. So uh, it's just a reaction oh, to you, geopolitical activity. I, mean, I think
5: we're busy. I mean, the the, the economy is good and and yeah. getting better. And uh, what what goes on? I mean, is I, I think that what people are watching is. You know, are are we going to get involved, and uh, and just just how much are we going to get involved? And uh, I don't think people want to. I, I I don't think that that people are going to be very happy. Americans going to be very happy uh, um, sending troops um, over there. I understand sending troops to protect um, good neighboring countries or whatever, and the and the uh, United Nations uh, will certainly do that as well. But uh, I don't want to be in a full-scale war with these. No,
1: people. no, 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 no way. And, and in fact, it is kind of interesting to watch the president, though, in his political posturing, because now he's saying that we're going to see inflation as a result of this war. It's really going to hurt his finances. <laughs> so yeah. He's trying yeah. to he's trying to push the responsibility for inflation off on what's happening in Ukraine, not by his own policies. For example, closing down the Keystone pipeline and other things that have led to huge increases in prices for us. So right, uh, right.
5: So um uh, we'll see what, what what he what he does today and uh we'll 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 comment on it next week but um Naples is uh is booming.
1: Yeah, Naples is you know what we called uh, our uh Tuesday was our 47th wedding anniversary. So we called wow. Blue, we called Blue Provence to get a reservation thinking we'd get in there at 5 or 5:30 have an early dinner. Nope. Nothing available until 8:30 at night. You're <laughs>
5: kidding and, and it's not like you don't eat in there a couple of times a week for crying out loud. i
1: know it's just unbelievable but uh anyhow just grateful that the economy is doing well and uh people will learn you know you have to understand you'd better get reservations in advance at many of these restaurants if you're going to be Boy, home, a place to eat <laughs>
5: i i have preached that uh for forever in my uh, life in naples articles and everything else and and uh we just saw a witness of that last week as a matter of fact, my grandson's birthday and they they wanted to go out he and his uh his new fiance uh wanted to go out and they they couldn't go anywhere huh. <laughs> they couldn't even get into a
1: pizza place
5: yeah so, you know uh reservations are a must and um uh, uh you Got a minute or are we
1: out? You know what, Bill? I think we're pretty much done. <laughs> okay. Let's say, well, let's save it for next week, Bill.
5: You got it, Bob. You have a good one. Be safe.
1: Thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we've got some great guests, including William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, and Larry Bell, Endowed Professor at the University of Houston in Space Architecture. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com